if you want to be a goalkeeper, I just say just go into it with your eyes open, your heart full, and just and just love every part of it because just remember what and remember why I started because you love it and I think that's in the days where I've really struggled or the days where I've been injured or the days where I haven't maybe played as much as I've wanted like I love what I do and I wouldn't want to change it for the world I could be like a lot of my friends who didn't make it in offices a teacher or whatever but I get to do what I've done as from a little kid and now I'm an adult I said <laughs> me and my best mate have a joke it's like being like Peter Pan you don't really grow up you're just still a kid like I mean I am old now but I'm still, I still feel like a kid when I put my boots on, I go on the grass and it's, it's the best feeling in the world. So I just think like on those days where it may be hard, just remember why you always started. Today's episode is presented by goalkeeping.com. Welcome back to a new episode of the Glove Sound Podcast. We're your host, Marcus Sunton, and alongside me is Alexander Brams, as always. Today, we're joined by a new guest, goalkeeper for Chelsea FC and the England national team, Carly Telford. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I feel very honoured to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, we're very excited for this chat. Um, and the main topic today is going to be a little bit about you, your background, and how it all started with goalkeeping and, and stuff like that. So we should just jump into it. And uh, can you please um, briefly explain a little bit about how you got into goalkeeping and, and a little yeah. bit about your background within the position? Of course. Um, so I'm from the Northeast. For anyone that doesn't understand, I do apologize. I am going to speak very slowly. Um, <laughs> And try and keep my Geordie accent to a minimal. Um, I started playing football when I was seven. Um, I played outfield. My dad's best friend had two boys. So when we used to go around there, I used to have a kick around in the garden. It was as simple as that. Um, uh, we moved back. Uh, that was down in London. And we moved back to the northeast. And when I went to school, um, thankfully, girls were allowed to play football. It was very different. And when I turned up with a the football, there was a lot of strange looks from the boys, um, but they let me play and I played outfield for my school team. Then I was picked up by a girls team. And this is where the story kind of changes. So after playing outfield and running up and down the wing and scoring lots of goals for my school team, um, I got asked to go to the girls team, but I turned up in, it was a very cold Northeastern day in the winter and turned up in a goalkeeping top. My mum put me in it. Um, don't ask why, uh, but she did. She, I think she thought it was the warmest thing she could put me in. So when I got there, they asked if I played in goal. And I panicked um, and I said, yeah, I do. So they stuck me in goal and that was uh, 12 years old and I never went back outfield again. I won lots of trophies as uh, I won the manager's player of the year from the 13s. Um, I was playing first team football at 14 years old um, in goal. And yeah, I just seemed to have a knack for either being maybe the stupidest one for throwing themselves around or, <laughs> or whatever it was. But yeah, it just maybe become very natural to me to... Um, keep the ball out the net so yeah I am um, it was kind of accidental um, but I loved it and um, I wouldn't obviously change my career for it now. <laughs> yeah I mean I, I love that I think we're all on the same page when we talk about goalkeeping obviously we all have a passion for it and it's almost the same with me to be honest when I started being a goalkeeper uh, we, we just needed one and and in the beginning we took turns and then all of a sudden I was in there and, and never looked back. So I'm the same as you. I just, from the first time I was in, in net, I was just never looking back and just okay. always going forward. Um, 
And then obviously you created your own career within goalkeeping now playing for Chelsea and you've played for other great teams as well. You currently play for the national team as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your career so far and, and how it's been being a pro goalkeeper? Yeah, I mean, goalkeeping in the in English football hasn't, well, goalkeeping coaching specifically, um, hasn't always been great. And I'd probably only class myself as having a full-time coach since I've been at Chelsea. So what's that, like three and a half, four years? And obviously, <laughs> not giving my age away, I'm very old. Um, and like I say, I've played for Sunderland, Leeds. Um, it's my second stint at Chelsea. And I spent a bit of time at Notts County and I've only ever had part-time goalkeeping coaching. And um, yeah, my career, I've been very lucky. Uh, to have some really good coaches, Kevin Pilkington, who was part of Man United's uh, squad when they won Champions League, the, the the Schmeichel era. He might have gone on to play a lot more games if he wasn't sat behind uh, Peter Schmeichel for a long time. But um, yeah, obviously Danny Danny Alcock. I've worked with the GB Olympics recently. A great guy, another guy that's kind of transitioned from the men's game into the women's um, a little bit. And yeah, I think that my career has been. It's probably been spouted by a lot of injury. I think when I was 18 or 19, I dislocated both my shoulders at different times, ended up having some surgery and I missed a lot of football for a few years because of that. Um, but I went to Australia and played uh, when I was 21, uh, coming back from injury. Um, but yeah, I think I'd say my career's been up and down. I've had really good spells. I made my international debut when I was 18 years old, my first team England cap. I was 18 and... Um, I was questions being asked me when I was 17, 18, and was it going to be the next big thing? Um, obviously, I didn't, maybe I haven't gone on to, to hit the heights that I'd, I'd like to. Again, injury, um, probably coaching, different clubs that I went to, but that's part of the journey of being a footballer. I think with, with disappointments comes reactions. There's always opportunities to improve and be better. And a lot of the time I've bounced back and proved people wrong. And I think in the 2019 France World Cup, when I went as second choice goalkeeper, I ended up having to play in a semi final. Um, of a World Cup that just proves that sometimes if you sit tight and just believe in yourself that your opportunities will come along um, and yeah going to an Olympics and stuff it's been a crazy career over 15 to 18 years now and I'm still going my body's still still holding together and I'm still kind of supporting the, the group of goalkeepers at Chelsea in maybe a different way now but I think as goalkeepers you have to learn to play that part sometimes you can't all play at once um, I think that's what I've learned in, in my journey as much as I want to play all the time sometimes you can't and it's how you react in those kind of moments as to how far you really go in this business um, and I think that's really proven that it's given me a bit of longevity in my career where others might have kind of failed. Yeah I love that mindset and uh, that's also something we really want to talk about on this podcast the psychological aspect of the position as well and how you need to be strong mentally to play our position and you just mentioned yourself that you've gone through a bit of injuries and obviously we all go through in our career ups and downs um, and I mean it's tough to go through downs of course but then when we go to get to the highs that's obviously where we want to where we want to reach um, and you say if you look back at it um, obviously now being a more experienced goalkeeper um, what would you maybe have done differently if you could do something differently looking back at your career so far. I mean, you can't really do anything about getting injured. You can only bounce back from it. But some advice for some of the young goalkeepers out there trying to, to become better daily. I think that 
it's probably how serious I mean the, the game's a lot different now when I, when you're 18 19 a lot of the girls now are getting full-time football they're in our 18 year old goalkeeper at Chelsea she's in every day with us she's currently on loan at Palace and she goes there on a Crystal Palace and she goes there on an evening to train and then plays with them at the weekend and it's just a different thing but I just think that if you're not if you're not getting the chance to win on the pitch so if you're not playing every weekend there are always every day to make small gains I think I would ask a lot more questions of my coaches. Um, you can't always rely on your coach or manager to tell you what they need from you. I think that sometimes you have to take responsibility for that. If you're not playing, if you're not getting as many minutes, if you're not feeling as confident, if you're maybe letting goals in that you think can be better or you feel like your defence can help you more. I think it's about feeling confident enough as a young goalkeeper to go and ask questions. I think it's something that maybe it's not, even as humans, we find very difficult to do is to ask for help. And I don't think there's any question I don't think there's anything bad in asking for help sometimes in moments when we need it and that's with lots of different things whether it's something particular whether it's crossing whether it's your distribution whether it's shot stopping in close areas reaction time I think that being able to put this always something we can improve on as goalkeepers for sure there's so many different aspects to the game and like you said there's there's moments and months and days where you'll feel like you're unbeatable and then for some reason goals start going in and you're wondering why and, and sometimes you've just got to reflect and go back and sit with your coach and kind of be like what was I doing really well how was I training at these moments and am I doing the same things am I doing more am I improving and I think that looking back on my career that's probably something I didn't do enough of in, when I was younger again sometimes that's due to not access, having good coaches or not having access to facilities that the girls do now but I just think now you just have no excuse it's like a professional game's moved so far forward that you have no excuse to be the best, it sounds cliche, but the best version of yourself every day and just kind of bringing that into training. And there'll be days where you are training and playing very well and you might not be getting picked, but it's just having small goals for yourself, personal goals that are going to make you and drive you to be better and, and then leaving the rest to, to the people that make the decisions, which sometimes isn't, is out of your hands. And that can be frustrating, but that's why you've just got to have your own kind of goals, I think, and that, and that will keep moving you forward and having conversations, I think. Yeah, my kind of two things is, is having goals and having conversations. That'd be my two big things. Yeah, those are very, very good things to to listen to and take notes of for this. Uh, if you're listening to this, take notes of this. Uh, it's amazing advice and you're really a smart goalkeeper, I would say. And And something that I live by is actually the worst you can get is a no. So ask, like keep asking. Yeah. Like, that's exactly. that's how we've like developed this podcast. The worst you can get is no, but it's also like just how um, I always go, so I always ask the coach something else. Yeah, go. So if you don't ask, you'll never know, and that's 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 the thing. It's like, do you want to look back and say, "I wish I had," or if mm -hmm. only? And that's what you don't want because football is a very short business, and mm -hmm. like I come at the end of my career. Um, or coming towards the end of it, and yeah, I, I definitely have no regrets. But I think, like you see, I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed that I get to come on here and, and have chats with you guys and, and other podcasts, and go in and mentor young kids now when I coach, and just try and make them be aware that like there are, there is no kind of, there's never enough questions to be asked. There's never enough that there's like say, if they say no, they say no. That's cool. Like you just mm -hmm. move on, or you go to the next, or you wait. It's that, and that's cool. Like, but. I tell you what, there'll be more coaches will be inclined to 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 feel more warmth towards you because you're asking the question than if you just sit and don't ask. And then at the end of the season, go knock on the door and say, well, why didn't I play? Well, why didn't you come in three months ago and ask that question? Yeah. Like my door's there, the door's always open, come in and have a conversation with me. And that's what I think I've learned is that don't wait. 
if you feel something, then go and go and ask the question. And, and I think, like you said, worst it can say is no. Spot on, spot on. And uh, and taking it a little bit back, uh, something that stuck with me that um, there was a really good quote from you is that with disappointment comes reaction. Mm-hmm. Can you elaborate on that? <laughs> of course. I think that in our careers as, as goalkeepers, we know there's there's always a number one. Um, sometimes you are that number one and it's great, but then there are always going to be times when it's as your career moves forward or as you go to different clubs or as you move up in an international level, you might not be that number one. And yeah, it's disappointing. It's hard when your name's not on the team sheet. That's your first thing, isn't it? It's the first thing you look for. Names on the team sheet or maybe you do match day minus one and they're putting the starting 11 out and they tell you to go the other goal and you're thinking, oh, here we go. Like, it's not really what I want to do or whatever. And you've got an opportunity then. You can either soak which I think is if I was a coach and that's the kind of my route I'm going down and I see players sulking, I'm kind of like, that is exactly probably why you're not playing. <laughs> that is, that is kind of, it just makes it easy for me, doesn't it? If I see one sulking or half-hearted in training and I'm just thinking that's your opportunity to go train well, train really good, be a good person, be a good teammate. And actually now I'm thinking as a coach, you've trained really well. Like you're going to give me a difficult decision next week or at the end of the session, you get a pat on the back or, your teammates come over and said you trained really well today and, and that's the kind of thing it's like your your reaction to everything and, and I don't doesn't mean that I don't go home and I, I maybe ring my dad or my parents or my partner and I'm like I can't believe she hasn't picked me again I could be disappointed I feel like I'd be disappointed in my own space but I don't like my disappointment to affect others because at the end of the day like we're about to in 24 hours go on a pitch and try and win a, a game of football together so my reaction is that it has to be positive for the team and then I deal with my disappointment to the side and, and then maybe I go and have a conversation with the coach after and, and ask the question. But yeah, I think that would be kind of, of how I've approached things, especially towards the latter part of my career when it's probably been a bit of a roller coaster. I've had really good highs where I've been picked first for lots, had the number one shirt and then maybe at club I haven't. And you feel like you're training really well and you're doing all the right things. But again, you've just got to find a way to keep reacting and because... Clubs like mine as well, like Chelsea, um, if you are going to sulk, if you are going to be a, a bad sort of team player, they just go and find someone else. <laughs> and it's as simple as that. And there'll be many, many footballers, male and female, that have been moved on club to club because your attitude affects the group. And as much as you're a good player, at the end of the day, we need good teammates. And, and I think that that leads you to have a successful season. And you're all going to play your part. Some play more on the pitch, some play more off it. But yeah, that'd be my thing about having a good reaction. Um in that moment it's an hour and a half of your time to, to react as a good teammate for me and then I can pack my bags go and have a shower and I can come home and, and moan to all the people that I really want to moan to <laughs> and affect them more than anything <laughs> but they don't affect what happens on 24 hours on the pitch whereas if I complain to my teammates the other girls maybe aren't playing they get affected by it and all of a sudden there's a group of us all feeling a bit sorry for ourselves or whatever and actually like what what's the point doesn't really help anyone does it so I think that's my thing about how, how you react in that moment. It's find the right times to react and use your disappointment in a way that's that's positive and, and, and kind of, um, yeah, having a positive reaction is trying, trying to be a good teammate for me. Yeah, I absolutely love that answer because that's something that I'm guessing a lot of people have tried um, with uh, being uh, getting the starting 11 or seeing the tactical part um, in training where you see that you're not on that team uh, it happened to me last week uh, and I was sulking a little bit but also like still being there still training good and actually a game day 
I started, uh, which I was really surprised about, but it was just nice. Um, but exactly, so yeah. that's, that's a great point there as well. Like you go on to that, like I might not be playing on Saturday, but we could wake up Sunday morning and the first choice goalkeeper's now injured or she's woke up sick maybe or whatever. And all of a sudden I need to play. Now I haven't trained very well Saturday because I was sulking. Now I'm now I'm not prepared or I feel nervous because I'm like, oh, like I don't feel ready. And that's another thing. It's like my career has been littered with like the World Cup, for instance, I, I played one game in it, but I didn't play the next three. And then all of a sudden, Karen Varsi got injured. I was starting goalkeeper and I was playing in a semi-final of a World Cup. Now, if I had sulked or if I'd moaned or if I hadn't trained hard, I know for a fact that I would have crossed that white line in front of 56,000 people. Absolutely. Not poo myself, but in the album, you can take that out, whatever. But pro like, re because I wouldn't have felt prepared. Do you know what I mean? I would have been like, oh, my God, I'm not ready. But... I trained every day just in case I would. So I instead I crossed that white line and I thought, bring it on. Like against the USA, number one in the world. Like I thought, come on, this is what this is what you've worked for your whole career. Um, so yeah, like, and that's I think that's the thing that mindset allows you to have that. Whereas if you're constantly up and down emotionally, I just feel that when that moment comes, you don't really know if you're prepared for it. And I think like goal goalkeeping is such a confidence thing. If you cross that line and there's any part of you thinking, I'm worried about today, I'm nervous about today, I don't feel ready the battle's half lost because you're already doubting how you are. Um, and I think you got to cross that white line as a goalkeeper with no doubts, just you feel good, bring it on. You want to save as much as you can. Some days you'll stand and do nothing. Some days you'll be dead busy, but you feel the same as you cross that pitch and you feel just as confident in that shirt, whether it says one, 12, 13, 26 on the back, whatever, you feel very confident in it. And I think, again, that goes back to just how your attitude is every single day. Yeah, uh, love that. That is uh, another great answer and and something uh, I want to add, uh, which you already kind of said, but that is to prepare the same way uh, for each training, each game, even though you're playing or not, you never know what happens. It's, uh, yeah, uh, prepare the same way. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think that that's, you learn, you prepare different ways as you go through your career. You'll find that the beginning you're very kind of I don't know you just turn up put your boots and gloves on you do a little warm and you'll go on and then as you get older and older you have little things where you like to put your tape on the right way you like to listen to certain music or you like to take a walk on the pitch beforehand or whatever and there's little things that you find that work for you and I think that's that's fine as well everyone has their own way of preparing and you shouldn't be judged on doing that either I think that but as long as it's consistent then you're never really going to go wrong um, and that's just your way. And, and for me, goalkeeping is the art of being consistent. The best goalkeepers in the world are the most consistent ones. So any way you can make your life consistent, I think that just reflects on the pitch how you are as well. Yeah, once again, I couldn't agree more. And, and talking about consistency, that's actually something um, I think I talk with, we talked about not that long ago, Alex, as well as that consistency is key. If we talk about this podcast, for example, um, if we want to get the most listeners possible, we we got to be consistent with the content, with the episodes. So that's why we launch every Friday. And it's the same with our, our um, social media pages as well with goalkeeping. You need to be consistent. Uh, and that's within just goalkeeping in, in general with uh, with training, with practice, with uh, yeah, with your with your health in general, uh, I think consistency is is so important. And as you say, not only on the field but also in in life in general. 
Yeah, for sure. I think being in professional environments, the most successful players and the most consistent ones on the pitch are usually the most consistent ones off it. Whether they're doing their prehab, their rehab, the way they eat, the way they live their lives. Some might argue it's boring. Some might argue it's it's crazy. Some people have different ways of relaxing, but they're consistent in what they do and it allows them to be consistent people. Um, and I don't think you can just turn that on and turn that off. Um, and that's why the best are the best at what they do. I think that their consistency is key and even goalkeeping. It's just consistent actions, isn't it, for us? It's it's catching, it's kicking, it's punching, it's it's diving, and it's how consistent can you make that five days a week when you're training so that on Sunday, that consistency is, is habitual, it's just easy. And the best, I think they say the best goalkeepers are the most confident, but they also make the game look easy as well. And that's because of the work they do every single day. Um, yeah, and that's obviously the the aspire what you aspire to be like. And I think that mentally, like like what we train for goalkeeping if you're lucky you get 20 minutes half an hour you goalkeeping coach before you're dragged into the outfield session so like you've got to make those 20 30 minutes count um because it's not a very long time when you think the outfielders get an hour and a half every day we get 20 minutes 30 minutes if you're lucky you might get an extended session at the beginning of the week while the outfielders do their extended bit but realistically your your time's limited especially when you've got midweek games for us it's we try and work a lot on the basics because the basics are the things that get you through and if you can do them very well um, then yeah, the, the harder stuff becomes easier as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm all with the, the confidence and consistency thing. I think consistency breeds confidence. Sorry, that's what I meant to say. Yeah, once again, agree. And and I think if we if we take it further on as well, um, we obviously have talked about analysis now about how to improve as a goalkeeper and stuff like that. But if we look at the more fun part of it as well, talking about a little bit more about your career because we had... I think it was our first season we had a New Zealand national goalkeeper as well, Erin Naylor. You probably know yep. her as well. Um, we had a great chat with her. Um, and I remember I, I asked her about how it was to represent her national team, her nation in, in big tournaments. And I just saw on your social media platforms as well that you recently went to, to the Olympics with, uh, with England. Um, can you just talk about how it was to represent, first of all, your country but then also being in the biggest tournament uh in the world yeah it was I think it's 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 even hard now like it's tournaments are so weird because you're just in like a bubble now let's this one was literally a bubble because of covid but yeah you just you, when you're in it you just it's not until you come out of it that you realize what you've done as a team as an individual depending on how the tournament went but yeah, like when I eventually came home and the Olympics was still going on and then it ended and they do like the montage of everything and you realise that you're part of this. And for us, like it was just crazy because you watch the Olympics every four years and football or Team GB, have, uh, we were in London, but we missed Brazil. Um, so for us to be part of it, you grew up watching all these legends winning gold and silver medals and you don't think as a footballer that you'd be doing that. Our, our, our pinnacles are World Cups and European Championships. So you're just kind of this small piece of puzzle in this much broader team. And it's not all about us anymore. It's about like being part of this team GB. And um, every day you're reminded, like there's just all of us rocking about in the same kit, wearing the same badge, all striving for the same things. Um, you're, you're able to meet some of the athletes. We had a we had a team GB hub and this, this, it was funny where we, where we were one of the first teams there and we were eating dinner and different teams would arrive. And sometimes there was like 15 people and there'd be like five people and they're all different shapes and sizes, but they're all in the same kit and you're all 
we're all trying to work out what sport they did because it doesn't say what sport they do like it, it just says team gb so that was really cool to have conversations with as the the rowers rocked in and the rowers were like really tall really long arms then then the, the boxers would come in they'd be heavyweights and then the little lightweights and it was it would we actually all got to know each other like really well because during that period like see eating together you, you were kind of this one team and it's something that all of us included in that would never been part of before and never really realized how special it was and then you come home and you realize people recognize you and and just see you and it's just it's just amazing thing and, and the world cup was the same like standing there representing your country or a nation and singing the national anthem and knowing that that semi-final 12 nearly 12 million people watched from home everyone tuned in people were down the pub my brother's texted me the pub was absolutely packed our local pub with people men women children all watching England as a nation representing um, representing them as, as people and it's it's just unbelievable it, and again like it's probably not until I finished playing that you realize how special it was because you just wrapped up in it and you just do it like it's just you go through all these tournaments and games and matches and with Chelsea you go on like amazing runs and win leagues and cups and stuff but it's probably not until you're old and grey but you sit back and think actually what I did was pretty special because I was just a seven-year-old kid having a kick around with my mates and I managed to achieve all these special things so um yeah like to do what we do is amazing and um it's an absolute honor to do it every single time and it always sounds cliche when we say it or probably when the, the men say it and it is it, it's you can't take that that moment of, of pulling on the shirt and walking like say walking on a pitch and, and thousands of people clapping you and cheering you on it's just you can't replace that with anything and um yeah I wouldn't like say if anyone could if there's any little kids like kind of dreaming of that I would say just keep dreaming because it does it can come true there's so many of us exactly like you probably sat and watched and listened whether it's the podcasts or on tv of our heroes doing it and then you get the chance to do it now and it's it's yeah it's it's very 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 special yeah, and I was actually meant to ask you about you've been in, in the games in the game, sorry, for, for some years now and and following from outside, obviously women's football has grown a lot over the recent years. Um how have it been to for you to obviously also an example you gave earlier was that within goalkeeper coaching and having a goalkeeper coach was not something you had back in the days and mm. you're still part-time, stuff like that. How has it been to be in this process of developing the sport as well, because you've you've obviously also contributed to it. Yeah, it's it's in that respect. I think it is like you you forget that you're in this. You're kind of in that transitional mode of, like, say, I didn't. I don't think I was classed as professional until I was about 24, 25 years old when we got our first England contracts. I think they're about sixteen thousand pound, and that's um yeah that was a year we were on um and that allowed us to quit our jobs um and be able to to train fully but that was just kind of more for the outfielders than anything it didn't mean we get any extra goalkeeping so um for me it was it was brilliant but now I think that yeah it's great to to reflect on those moments and I think that it's important that we do tell our stories about what it was like back in the day. All the kids laughed us now, the 18, 19 year olds that were all old and talked about what it was like. But at the same time, I think that we've got to remember that women's football has come so far, but it's still got quite a way to go. But the strides it's made in the past five to 10 years are unbelievable. And if five, 10 years, we can double what we've done now, um, I think it will be a force to be reckoned with. I think the the coverage on Sky Sports, on BT, on BBC, ITV now is, is huge and it's, 
it's just amazing every time you go to a game, whether it's a home game at Chelsea, away game, whether you go to a national fixture and the amount of young girls and boys in the crowd. I remember one of the moments I had about a couple of years ago at Southampton, there was a young boy with a sign that said, Telford, can I have your shirt? So I thought, oh, like took it off, went over and I was like, oh, is this for your sister? He was like, no, it's for me. And I was like, all oh, right. Like, it just felt really strange that a little boy would want my shirt. Like it's because, and that's, that's the kind of thing that you, you're trying to change. It's like, it's take the gender away. If you love football, you love football. And that's, that's what we're kind of wanting to do. It's not about we're trying to be better than the men or like the men. Um, we're just trying, we just love football. And that's all we've ever lived since we were kids. And yes, we're a different gender playing it as such, but I think if you love the game, you love the game. And that's, it's just giving young kids, girls and boys the opportunity to dream big. And I think that if you're a young boy or girl and you enjoy coming to women's football and that's fine. And if that's the path you want to follow, then go for it. Um, but the, the huge changes, I think that, yeah, there's more investment in coaching now, more investment in the teams. The money's going up and up because of that investment, which is brilliant. I think that we've just got to make sure that we keep making small strides and not too big, too fast. Um, and then we help players along the way with that because we all know the pitfalls which come with fame in terms of social media and et cetera, et cetera, and um, how mentally fatiguing it can be being a professional athlete. Um, so I think as long as we have those support mechanisms around the girls, I think that the sport will thrive and the product will get better and bigger. And um, yeah, hopefully we can have lots more girls on podcasts talking about their journey uh, alongside some of the male professionals. It'll be very similar um, in the next five to 10 years for sure. They'll have started being goalkeepers like some of our kids today were 15 16 getting coaching full-time coaching three four times a week which is brilliant for them and, and they're leaps and bounds ahead of me and it's so exciting to see what they can do at 15 16 years old compared to what I could um and how where they're going to be in 10 years time because I think they'll be brilliant and women's goalkeeping again hopefully will be talked about in a positive way rather than maybe sometimes still getting that kind of negativity around it because it's a little bit behind the outfielders but that's just where we are at the state of the game sort of thing. It's a different topic. <laughs> yeah, that's a different topic. But uh, I mean, uh, if you have any any guests that you want uh, to hear on our podcast, of course, tell us. We will be happy to have them. But also uh, talking about uh, the development of uh, women's football, uh, be, having played in college and seeing how big football slash soccer is in America, it's, it's pretty crazy that... Uh, like there's even a lot of big, big, big schools who don't have men's soccer team, but women's soccer team uh, yeah. because of yeah the the popularity demand. of it and, it's the, and, and the demand and it's the biggest sport in America that is uh, on the women's side is women's soccer. So amazing to see. And yeah, uh, hopefully uh, in five to 10 years, we see an even bigger development, but uh, we are changing the subject again. And <laughs> Because we are called Gloves on Podcast. We want to know what are your favorite gloves and why? Um, so I am aware of Nike. Um, uh, forgive me for not knowing the right name, but I'm wearing the... I should have had them with me. Vapor Grip uh, they're Freeze. White, uh, they're, they're the, the brand new white ones. So I'm very lucky yeah. that I do get provided my boots and my gloves from Nike. So I have got the new, I think, the, the vape, vape something or others. But yeah, they're white. Uh, vape, black. Vapor Grip but, 3. Right. Yeah, that's that. Vapor Grip 3. Yeah, I love those. Yeah, so. yeah, I love them. Yeah, they're, they're brilliant. Um, I'm very lucky, like you say, I know they're a very expensive glove and uh, um, I get them provided for free. So I am I am blessed. I do try and give my gloves and have too many of them to the young kids because uh, I know how much it can be for parents just mm-hmm. to have that kind of expenditure. Uh, but yeah, they're my favourites at the minute. Um, do love them. Uh, however, 
I am going to regret that because uh, they're white and at the minute as the weather is changing they're having to get very regularly <laughs> they're not staying very white as you can imagine no. we've had a lot of rain here in England and yeah I'm like why are they making white gloves <laughs> like what's that I mean they look great when they're clean but yeah uh, after one or two sessions they're not looking the best, <laughs> the best. but yeah they're, they're my faves I've had the vapors for, for a couple of couple of years now as they've developed but I, I really like this new one nice yeah uh for those who don't know the gloves it's the same as Cotois, for example uh so um yeah amazing glove uh, I, I was a big fan of uh, night vapor grips but uh fortunately like you i'm also being provided with gloves now so it's nice and i also i like last week two weeks ago we had a little camp in my club here and there was a lot of kids and i just went in and took all my used gloves and just gave them to the kids because just to see the joy and some some of them weren't even keepers, but they wanted to be goalkeeper training with me. So now they might turn into keepers. There, there were 10, 11, yeah. so you never know. No, exactly. And I, I love that. Like you say, it's just, it's it's the one, the jealousy on the outfielders when they see the, the, the goalkeeper getting some new stuff and some free stuff. But two, like you say, it's just, for us, it's always about inspiring. Like we've got such a good group of young talent. We, I mean, at Chelsea, we have under 12s, 14s, 16s, 18s at the minute. And you just kind of want to inspire them to be goalkeepers because it's, you know what it's like. It's a specialised position. Not everyone wants to play in goal. So if you can get the kids wanting to go in goal, that's a big tick from us. You want as many, as many of them going in goal as possible, at least trying it out and seeing how fun it can be. But uh, everyone at the minute is so obsessed with scoring goals and setting up goals. It's very hard to do so. Yeah, we want to we wanna get more goalkeepers out there for sure. Uh... Yeah, exactly. That's why we also try to make it appealing via... The platforms we have, social media, the podcast, we try to to show the young goalkeepers out there, whether it's girls or boys, that it's it's fun to be a goalkeeper. You can get to throw yourself around. You can wear the gloves you want, all that stuff. Uh, that's probably why we haven't looked back, all, all three of us, since we started becoming goalkeepers, because it's actually fun to be a goalkeeper. <laughs> Yeah, I'd agree with that, especially the sessions they do now. Like, the outfields are always looking over our sessions, like, what are you doing now? Like, what equipment are you using? We've got ping pong, we're doing ping pong, we're doing we've got <laughs> balls out, we've got the tennis rackets out, we've got the crash mats out. They're very, they've got the reaction boards, they get very jealous when all the equipment comes out and it looks like a, um, a gymnastics <laughs> area. But I said that that's all part of the, of the game and developing the game and, and looking for a new the, to stimulate us as uh, as athletes so no yeah i could definitely vouch for the fun part sure. yeah yeah it sounds like that uh, that your training sessions is uh, about creating the game like environment uh, so yeah that's also how goalkeeper coaching has developed but that's again another different topic, <laughs> topic. Uh, and we don't have much time so here in the end, do you have any last words of advice maybe a, a tweet of advice if you could say that a tweet. It's very good. Um, off the top of my head, put you on the spot. I, I just say, if you're gonna, if you want to be a goalkeeper, I just say, just go into it with your eyes open, your heart full, and just and just love every part of it because just remember what and remember why I started because you love it. And I think that's in the days where I've really struggled, or the days where I've been injured, or the days where I haven't maybe played as much as I've wanted. Like I love what I do, and I wouldn't want to change it for the world. I could be like a lot of my friends who didn't make it in offices, a teacher or whatever, but I get to do what I've done from a little kid and now I'm an adult. I said, <laughs> me and my best mate have a joke. It's like being like Peter Pan. You don't really grow up. You're just still a kid. Like, I mean, I am old now, but 
I'm I still feel like a kid when I put my boots on I go out on the grass and it's it's the best feeling in the world so I just think like on those days where it may be hard just remember why you always started spot on it. spot on love that uh yeah Carly we have covered what we wanted today and uh, we want to thank you very much for uh, taking your time to share your knowledge with our listeners to, tonight thank you for having me it's been a pleasure And to you guys still listening out there, please go follow Gloves on Podcast on your favorite social media, leave a review and share this with one other goalkeeper for them to keep improving. Catch you on the next episode of Gloves on Podcast.